Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hail West Virginia. Brand new for the 2022 season. It's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, JN, Fiend, Phoenix, and me. Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. I am your host, Andy Mitz. Today, we are recapping a not-so-great, uh, well, I mean, I guess really two weeks for the Kansas Jayhawks. It's been some uh, some rough sliding for them, trying to slog through this Big 12 schedule that they've had. Three straight losses. Obviously, the overtime loss to Kansas State uh, was just the harbinger of things to come as Kansas gets demolished by TCU at home on Saturday, and then on Big Monday, goes down to Baylor and... Well, they tried to make a comeback. They didn't just. They just quite didn't have enough for it. To help me recap all of this and to look ahead as well, Brendan Dorzinski, uh, one of the co-hosts of the. Uh, oh my gosh, I feel really bad. It's uh, 580 Sports Talk over on WIBW in Topeka. There we go, Brendan. How you doing today? I'm doing great, Andy. I even today, just for the occasion, wore my old uh, hand-me-down <laughs> Sports Illustrated XXL sweatshirt that I oh, think nice. every Midwestern dad had in 1996. Oh, I know. Um, Seriously. To- totally planned. Def- definitely intentional for uh, for recording today. But, no, I'm good. I mean, it's uh, it's been tough the last couple of games, I think, watching this team and the very clear issues that uh, they don't seem to know how to solve. Although, I will be honest, and I don't mean for this to sound like I'm blowing off the way that they're playing right now but I definitely have found myself being a little bit calmer this year given how uh, last season ended and knowing that hey you know what sure it was a tough game but team's still champions so I'm gonna I'm just gonna bask in that and remember the good times from uh, from March and April so um, there's a long way to go there's obviously a lot better that this team can play I think they will get to that point but I'll be honest after we started the year feeling like hey Maybe this team is better than we thought it would be, better than I thought they would be. I didn't think they'd get off to a, a 5-0 and start in league play. I didn't think they'd be that good during non-conference given some of the size issues, some of the depth issues. To get to this point of the season to say, hey, 5-3 and three in league play, it's honestly not a bad spot to be in. You would just hope that didn't include three consecutive losses. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of funny because you look at the parallels between the men's team and the women's team. Both of these teams are... 
um, kind of anomalies inside of the conference that they're in because Kansas is probably the only team that doesn't have a big man, right, that can play really big down low. They've got K.J. Adams, who's last in the bucket, whereas on the women's side, Kansas is really the only team that has a big person down low in Tyana Jackson. Everybody else is playing, you know, quick, nimble uh, post players. And so it, it is a little bit weird that this team is, you know, having to struggle the way they are just because of personnel issues. But, you know, kind of to your point, it's a lot easier to let these roll off your back, not ne- even necessarily because of having the championship last year, although that, that definitely helps. But looking at how good this conference is, like Texas Tech, like they are, you know, 0-7 in the conference. They're not a bad team. Like you look at what they have, and and while they didn't play the toughest non-conference schedule, they were playing really well. You know, they've had opportunities, like – They've been in all but one of their games all the way down to the wire and just weren't able to pull it out. Um, this is a good Texas Tech team that's in last place in the conference. Kansas, we always knew, was going to have struggles. Kansas State's going to have struggles. You know, they're sitting at the top of the conference right now, but they're going to have some struggles. Iowa State's going to, like, all the teams that are up at the top are going to go through these sorts of things. And I, I made mention of this, I think, I don't remember if it was just on Twitter or if I made mention of this in, in like, power rankings and stuff. This is a team that has some pretty significant warts just like previous teams, the difference this year is there literally is no game where you can work those out without the opponent being able to take advantage and make you look really bad. Like, in years past, there's been, you know, a a TCU and I think, like, you know, 2013, like, early TCU in the Big 12 or, you know, even Iowa State or Kansas State the last few years. Like, there's been teams where, you can play pretty poorly. You can have some very significant problems that you're trying to work through, but the other team just either isn't talented enough or just doesn't have enough going for them to be able to make you pay. There is not a single team in this conference that can't make you pay if you're playing poorly. And, and I think that's really what the issue is here. Jalen Wilson, we know, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Grady Dick, I think, has been playing really well, but you know, it's the normal freshman once you figure out how a star freshman is able to do what he does, coaches start to adjust. And it's a matter of how long does it take for him to adjust to the way that they're playing him now and start, you know, shooting again and start getting those good shots. And I think we saw some of that against Baylor. So, you know, if, if there's one positive to take away from Baylor, and again, this is another thing that I mentioned on Twitter during the game. It's like, if the only thing we get out of this game is, you know, not a win, but Grady Dick gets going again, I'll, I'll take that trade off. I'll take a loss here early in the conference slate against Baylor where you're still, you know, in, you know, third or fourth in the conference um, to allow you to get the guy that is going to be probably the most important for a long, deep run, not because he's the best player on the team, although he's honestly not as far off as you would think, but because he is going, he provides something that they just don't have throughout the rest of the team. And that is consistent three point shooting. Um, So if you can get him back to being that consistent three point shooter, that's the most important thing you take this early, especially since, like, I'm not worried about being two games back of Kansas State right now. I know that they're going to take – Kansas State is going to take multiple losses, just like every other team. Kansas is going to take some more losses as well. I would not be shocked if the winner of the conference is at 12-6. and six. Like, that's how difficult this conference is. That's how competitive it's been. And so, yeah, like, the sky's not falling. This is not something where you have to panic. This is just an instance of a team that doesn't get an opportunity to play some weak teams in their conference to work out issues. You have to work it out against some of the best teams in the nation um, every single night. It almost makes the Big 12 SEC challenge coming up this coming Saturday as wild as it is to say, oh, yeah, taking on Kentucky, that that's a rest. Right. For this it's team. a nice break. <laughs> it kind of is like, I, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily going to be a game in which 
Bill Self says, all right, Jalen Wilson, you're playing 20 minutes in this game. Uh, you're going to get 20 minutes. If it's close at the end, we'll throw you back in. You know, Grady's going to get 20 to 25. You know, we're going to play a ton of MJ Rice. I don't think this is going to be that kind of game, but I do think you can say, look, this is not a do-or-die contest. There is more than just this matchup, which we know already this team does not like. We know already Bill Self does not like this matchup. Uh, not with Kentucky specifically, but just the event in general. And to be frank about it, I agree. And I know we'll preview uh, KU versus Kentucky coming up in just a little bit. But Self said it himself. I, I want to say it was after the TCU game that, look, in the Big 12, you have got to make other teams play badly because everyone plays well. Everybody in this league plays well. Texas Tech has moments where they look, how is this team winless in the league? They should have plenty of wins at this point. They do not look like a winless in conference play kind of team. And you can go from, you know, the very bottom of the conference to, you know, the OUs and Oklahoma States of the world to then, you know, Texas and upward to to where KU, K-State, Iowa State, our programs like that, TCU included this year as well. Everyone plays well. Everyone has moments where you think, damn, this team could win a national title. This team could go to the Final Four. You have to force other teams to play poorly. That is where Kansas has been struggling right now. And there's a couple of different ways you can do that. There's not just one way in which you can make someone else struggle, make someone else have to work to get their baskets. Right now, KU isn't getting any of those done, but I am confident that at some point, that's going to come back. The obvious one, and Bill Self will point you to this. The players will point you to this. I know Jalen Wilson has done it a couple of times himself recently. It, it's defense. It starts with defense. It is making guys make tough shots. It is not giving good open looks. And I think if you want to look at the Baylor game in particular, there were some moments in the first half where I thought, oh my God, here we go again. Students are wide open, overhelping, leaving corner three-point shooters open. This is a nightmare. Then in the second half, I thought the defense was a lot better. Baylor just made a ton of shots. And there, again, is your difference between you're defending well and the other teams just making shots, and you have to play 110% of your maximum best on defense to force a team like Baylor that's still talented, even if they're not, maybe not quite as good as the recent past. You've got to force them into terrible looks. You've got to force them into rushed shots. So I think, just simply put, guarding better defense overall, that's important offensively going behind by 12, 13, 14, 15 points in the first half, early in the first half of each of the last few games, not a place you want to be simply scoring just a little bit more on that end is going to make things so much easier because other teams can't keep running. They can't keep the snowball effect, you know, in effect, essentially you need to be able to find other guys who can score because guess what? Other teams are going to be willing to say, all right, all right, fine. Jalen Wilson's going to go get 30 points. Fine. Let him go get 30 points. Let him look like an All-American. Can we shut down Grady Dick? Because otherwise, none of these other guys can score. Now, it was good to see McCuller against Baylor score a little bit. I still am a little cautiously optimistic about where his offensive game is because he still looks timid when he catches the ball on the perimeter. He's got to be a little bit more free-flowing at this point. But to see him score a little bit more each of the last two games, 10 points against TCU, 14 uh, against Baylor, KU needs that from him. So trending in the right direction. I don't think KJ Adams is going to slump on offense and defense for forever. And who knows what he would have been like in the TCU game if he hadn't been hurt. Again, that game was a total snowball avalanche, but I don't think he is going to be in this funk. And I don't know what's up with Dewan Harris either, but he'll snap out of it. I, I am super confident that Dewan Harris is going to snap out of it at some point because he is too good to spend too long going through the struggles that he has been going through for the last two 
ish games. And I know a lot of people on Twitter have pointed back to, well, he hit his head. Maybe he's got lingering symptoms from hitting his head against Kansas State. I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate about his health or about how he's feeling. I just know he hasn't quite been the same over the last couple of games. So I feel like all those things are fixable. I think there is going to be a plan in place to fix them. The only thing that lingers beyond all that, better defense, okay, great. Better better coverage, better strategy, whatever. Better offense, guys just make shots, get more open looks. Grady hits threes more. Okay, great. The only thing that is going to linger with that, and it was present against Baylor, just like it was present against TCU, like it was present against Kansas State in these last three losses, KU does not have a bench presence. And I know that that can be overblown, and most teams don't want to run anything more than a, a seven, eight-man rotation. Hell, when we get to the NCAA tournament, that's all it's going to be. KU pretty much ran a seven-man rotation last year in the NCAA tournament. You brought Mitch in as your backup big to give Big Dave a spell, and you brought Remy in as your number two point guard, and sometimes you know your 1A or 1B point guard, depending on the lineup. I mean, that's that's how teams win in March. You don't need a deep bench. Right now, though, you need to give Jalen Wilson a break. You need to give Dewan Harris and Kevin, you need these guys to get a break. But as soon as they come off, you know, in a vacuum, I like the game of Bobby Pettiford. I like the game of Joseph Yesifu. In theory, Zach Clements would be more useful than he probably has been. I think the future is very bright for an Uday or for an Ejiofor, certainly for an MJ Rice. Right now, those guys are giving you nothing, absolutely nothing. They are small or they are just not prepared for Big 12 play, depending on which position we're talking about. And if you're getting next to nothing, if not nothing total from that group, Andy, it's going to be really tough to be able to keep up 40 minutes of good defense against Big 12 teams that are big and physical and tough. And it's going to be hard to score against those tough defenses when these guys are gassed on both ends of the floor. Well, and and I think last night was a very difficult game in that they weren't really calling fouls in that first half. Like, they were mauling each other on both sides of the floor, and there was nothing called until probably about four minutes left in the half. Like, it was very, very physical. It was very difficult to really do anything. But I think to your point, um, you know, like, I I definitely don't want to speculate on injury type of situations either. Um, But there is a there has been a noticeable drop off since that happened against Kansas State for Dewan Harris. And again, it may be related to that. It might not be related to that, but something is different, and I don't know what it is. Um, but I think it just as much of that is kind of the pressure of, because that's also around the time that Pettiford and Yesifu started struggling. You know, prior to that, they were having good minutes. They were coming in and making good contributions. But in that Kansas State game, and then, and then since then, they have struggled mightily. Um, and so that might, you know, it might be as simple as there's extra pressure now on Dewan Harris that he has to keep them in games. He has to, you know, he has to be the guy even more so now because you can't rely on those guys coming in. Um, you know, to, to your point about breaking down or slimming down to, you know, that smaller rotation. Yes, that's very, very true. But again, they had definitive guys that they knew they could go to. You don't have that right now. You don't know who that best big man off the bench is going to be. You have no idea who that first guard coming off the bench is going to be. Because honestly, it could be, it could be any number of players. It could be, you know, MJ Rice has done okay in his last, you know, few. I, I thought he actually played pretty well against Baylor. He just didn't get a lot of opportunity. Um, but it, you know, it's one of those things where they have to identify some of that. And, and to your point about Kentucky almost being a, you know, a day off. Um, uh, it allows them to try more things. There's not the pressure of, oh man, if we, you know, if we make a tactical decision that causes us to lose this game, that puts us down in the Big 12 race. 
You don't have that against Kentucky. Yes, you don't want to lose to Kentucky because you don't want to lose any of these games. But, you know, if you try something and you start to see what does and what doesn't work and that allows you to develop your team and figure out what's going to work later down the road, it's worth it at this point. And there's not implications for the Big 12 title race. I forget who it was I was listening to, though. Um, I was listening to someone and they made an excellent point, I think, that really like kind of struck me. You know, this looks like two different teams right now. This looks like Jalen Wilson hero ball team where he tries to do everything on his own because he doesn't, he can't trust everybody else to do stuff for him. And then it looks like a team that is being facilitated through Dewan Harris. And I, like, don't get me wrong. I don't think it's like those guys are fighting over control of the team or anything like that. I think what's been happening is that for whatever reason, Dewan is not, is not clicking with guys like KJ Adams or, uh, you know, or, or Grady Dick as much as he had been earlier in the year. And so Wilson has felt more and more pressure to try to take on that role himself. And of course he's had phenomenal games to be able to do that. I mean, you know, three games where he's averaging, I think he's still averaging like 29 points in those three games. It's just a ridiculous tally for him. Um, and so like this team needs to figure out what they have and what they are. And, and I think that's the biggest problem right now. It's not even that they're a bad team. It's that, I don't know that this team knows what, how they're going to be successful come March. And so when you play against a bunch of teams that know exactly what they're doing, I mean, Kansas State knows exactly what type of team they are. They know exactly how they like to play, who's going to get the ball in what kind of situations. You know, say say what you want, but Jerome Tang has done a phenomenal job in Kansas State establishing Incredible the identity job. right of that program. They are a completely different team than what they had under Bruce Weber. Completely different program. And so... Like Kansas right now is a team that's in flux, doesn't know what it is that they want to be, or I should say they don't know what they can be successfully in a way that's sustainable. Cause I think they know exactly how they want to play, like who they want to you know be taking certain things and certain shots, mm-hmm. but it's just not working for whatever reason. And so they've, they've got to figure out how to make that happen. I think the one other guy I want to mention here too, and I don't want to put everything on him because he is a freshman because this is his first run through in big 12 play as well. But I think the last couple of games have really illustrated how much it sucks that MJ rice has been so banged up, injured, having health issues throughout the start of this year, because you look at his profile and yeah, he's not huge, but some of those minutes where you're ending up with truly small guard Bobby Pettiford or truly small guard Joseph Yesvu in there when you would like to get someone else on the wing possibly instead of two real ball handler uh, point guard types out there and again just not with much size you'd love to get a long six foot five athlete out there like MJ Rice who even if he couldn't shoot the ball that well this freshman year you think he could get downhill you think he at the very least could get in front of guys defensively and I'm not trying to knock Again, Pettiford and Yesvu, they're having their struggles, but again, they, they do bring something to the table, even if it hasn't shown up recently. But don't you think it'd be nice to get a guy like Rice who you think can be an effective scorer in the Big 12, who at this point of the year, you could say, all right, MJ, we need you for 10 minutes in this game. We need you to not give up five fouls in those 10 minutes. You have to go get a couple of buckets, and you have to at least get in the way defensively. Can you handle that? I believe you can. I went into this year I think I told you on our season preview podcast in fact I thought he could have a really strong freshman year maybe not a freshman all-american type season but could be a solid piece for this team unfortunately he missed so much time it's like an NFL player who gets hurt their rookie year in training camp like okay well 
they got hurt, so they didn't get reps with the starters. So then when the year starts, they're not in rhythm. They don't have that kind of connection. And then it takes most of that rookie season for them to sort of get in the swing of things. It's the same way here. When Grady Dick or some of the other young guys were getting experience against Omaha and North Dakota State and Texas Southern and teams like that early in the season, you missed important reps for MJ Rice. And he missed time when he could practice. He was injured or was dealing with his wisdom teeth or kidney stones or whatever else. He was dealing with all that stuff when KU actually had time to practice, when there were some longer layoffs between games, when you could play easier opponents before taking on a quad one kind of team, and he missed out on that time. And again, I'm not trying to say that, well, if MJ Rice had had more reps early in the year, KU would have won two of these last three games and would be leading the conference. I'm not trying to put that all on him because I think that'd be unfair and an unreal expectation. But I think he's the exact type of player that, in theory, assuming he develops into what KU wants him to develop into, you could absolutely use in a pinch this year. Like, go great example. Go back to that game against Kansas State, which right after that, I said, look, I'm not worried about this at all. KU had a terrible shooting day, lost by one on the road, hostile environment against the top 15 team. Not a big deal. I'm not worried about it at all. In overtime, after Adams and McCuller and Dick had fouled out, KU is running Pettiford, Yesifu, and Harris all out there. All good players on their own, but that's a lot of short guys on the court in crunch time against a physical athletic team in Kansas State. A guy like Rice, that body type, that skill set, maybe it changes things. Maybe KU wins by one in that game instead of loses by one. So this is not, again, a, a blame thing. I'm not trying to put down MJ Rice by any means. I'm just saying it is so unfortunate for him. He lost so much development time because of those medical issues. And now it's unfortunate for KU too, that instead of having a guy who has you know, gone through the trials and tribulations a little bit, so now he's just a guy who you throw him in there for four minutes and hope he doesn't completely melt down. Yeah. I mean, and, and honestly, if you're, you know, talking about the thought process coming into the year, like there was an honest debate about who was going to have a better freshman season, Grady Dick or MJ Rice. Like there was a lot of people that were extremely high on what MJ Rice could be. And, and injuries are one of those things, especially, you know, the, the reported back injury that he's been dealing with. Um, it's not really something you have a lot of control over. You're either good to go or you're not. And it's, you know, it can vary from day to day. I've, I've dealt with back issues myself in the past and I'm not an athlete by any means. Um, you know, there's, there's days where it, it's really good and days where it's really bad. And, you know, you don't always know it's going to be a bad day until you actually try to use it. So I'm not that surprised that he's been having some issues like the Kansas State game. From what I understand, I, I believe Bill Self had a quote where he basically said, yeah, we wanted to go ahead and put him in there, but at halftime, he basically said, coach, my back, I, I can't, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's it's not like he has been unavailable because he's doing something wrong or he's being unavailable because he's not, you know, developing the way they want. It's because he's literally just not available because of health. And you don't want to jeopardize a guy's health to get him out there, especially since he, he's not going to be nearly as effective if he's dealing with back pain anyway, trying to play. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, uh, the, the one point that I did want to bring up before we move on, um, you talked about the defense being better in the second half, but the defense was actually pretty, or was actually really good in the second half. Like most of Baylor's points in that second half came via free throw. Like that's how ridiculous it was at that point. Um, you know, they, uh, they went from shooting. I just had the, the half comparison up here. So they went from shooting, 40, let's see, they shot 47%, uh, 
uh, in the first half, which honestly I thought it was better than that, but apparently not. But they went, you know, they shot 36 from 36.4% from three. They went four of 11. They only went one of eight from three in the second half, um, which was kind of honestly kind of, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at KU's. That would be why. I was like, that's why it didn't make any sense. Um, here we go. Half comparison. That's that. There we go. That makes a lot more sense. They shot forty four point one percent in the first half. Baylor did. Second half, they shot twenty eight point six percent from the field. That's a huge difference. Much better defense. Second half, what you saw was a team that was getting out on guys. Baylor did not take very many wide open shots, whereas in the first half they had a ton of wide open shots. So every shot was being contested. When Baylor was knocking down shots, they were knocking them down over guys with guys with hands in their face. They were seven of 16 in that first half from three, uh, you know, 40, 44% basically two of 14 in the second half. Kansas got out on three threes, forced them to do a lot of things that they probably didn't really want to be doing that way. And like I said, you know, they had 20 foul shots in that second half. There made 16 points off of, off of fouls. Um, you know, so Kansas did not do a bad job in the second half. They just dug such a deep hole in the first half there um, that, you know, they weren't able to come all the way back when they started playing pretty well. And then in the second half, it was just too much. Baylor is a good team. It's not like, you know, this is a team. And, and they've been dealing with their own injury issues. You know, they they were without LJ Cryer for quite a while, and he had 22 yep. points leading Baylor last night. Um, so, like, you know, these are the kind of games that you're going to have. I think the main key for this team is that they cannot get down that or that big that early um, and expect to be able to come all the way back to win. It just takes way up way too much energy. Like, we, we got used to it last year when they came back by, you know, from 16 down against Kansas State in Manhattan, and they came back, you know, from 16 down in the second half against, uh, against North Carolina in the championship. Like, that was a team that had, though, the ability to dominate inside, to control the paint, to do a lot of different things they wanted to do to not only stop other teams, but also just quickly or to consistently chip away at a lead. This is a very streaky team, uh, very streaky offensively, very streaky defensively. They can't contain or they can't maintain that consistent pressure over the course of a 20 minute half to be able to come back from those huge deficits without a lot of luck. Um, and so. So, yeah, it, that's definitely something that they're going to have to work on moving forward. Let's go ahead and take a look um, ahead because, yes, we have the game against Kentucky coming up in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, and, and um, we will get some kind of general thoughts about the challenge uh, and talk about that. But I also just want to be thinking about also the game that's coming up next week against Kansas State, the return of the Sunflower Showdown, this time in Lawrence, hopefully – you know, this is a game that uh, that a lot of people have circled at this point. But we will go ahead and jump into those things here in just a minute. But first, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Here at the Rock Chalk Podcast, we are happy to be sponsored by Home Field Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They've got T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. They're always adding new stuff, refreshing lines, and doing a bunch of different fantastic things over there at homefieldapparel.com. They have more than 140 different schools with the most insane, uh, incredible vintage college logos that you will find anywhere. Um, I have way too much Kansas stuff. They've got they've got Kansas. They've got every school in the Big 12, both those that are now in the Big 12 and the ones that are coming. 
and they have every other Power 5 school as well. The logos are absolutely ridiculous. I have way too many of them for way too many schools that I have absolutely no affiliation with. Um, I absolutely love my University of Delaware U, uh, UD shirt. Uh, love that one. I've got the Zot baseball shirt um, and plenty of Kansas shirts, of course. You can go over and get your collection started by going to homefieldapparel.com using promo code CHALK12 to get 15% off your entire first order and all orders over $100 have free shipping. Again, we are happy to be sponsored by Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. Go over to Homefield Apparel, promo code CHALK12 will get you 15% off that entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. And we're back. I'm here with Brendan Drozinski of uh, 580 Sports Talk over in WIBW and, of course, one of our contributors over at Blue Wings Rising. Um, Brendan, we, we, we just got done talking about the last week and a half. So let, let's look ahead because there have been some good things. You know, Kevin McCuller came back in the game against TCU and actually got his offense going again and then had a pretty good offensive game, I think, against Baylor. Um, you know, and, of course, Grady Dick got his seemed to get his shot back uh, against Baylor's leading the Jayhawks and scoring looking ahead. Like what are you looking for in this game against Kentucky? And, and how do you think that game is going to go? Like what, what are the main things that you're going to consider need to happen for that to be a successful game? Even if it's not necessarily winning the game. I hate to use the extreme coach speak here, but it's a situation where I think KU needs to play its game and it needs to play its game well here. And I think KU is going to win this game. If, it is a big if they are able to control how the game is played. Kentucky's got talent there. That's never been a question about this Kentucky team. They've got plenty of talent and they are playing better. They've won three games in a row. They're playing in action again on Tuesday night, taking on Vanderbilt, but they are playing better over the last couple of games. If they knock off Vanderbilt, make that then four wins in a row. They went into the week having won three straight games. You've got to be able to dictate how this game is played. And I understand that everyone looks at the Oscar Sheboy matchup and says, oh, my God, he's going to get 400 rebounds and they're just going to keep going into him over and over and over again. Okay, I understand that. I understand that is not a good matchup for KU in the post. So maybe it ends up being, hey, we're we're going to throw Uday at him. We're going to throw Edgerford at him because you know what? Those guys have five fouls to give to, and we're just going to be as physical as we can. And if he goes to the free throw line a bunch, well, then so be it. But we are going to make him work for his points. Maybe that's the ultimate strategy down low. Honestly, from a you know remedial basketball strategy standpoint, I don't personally have a huge problem with that. That's the matchup that stands out the most. But can KU against the other four guys and the best they can against Shibway? Can they defend the way they want to defend? Can they be as aggressive as they want to be offensively? Can you knock down the clean looks that you get KU in these last three games, Andy, they've gotten some decent looks. They just haven't gone down. I think for Grady Dick, that is especially notable. And yes, he did start to heat up again in the game against Baylor, which is great to see. Hopefully that develops a little rhythm for him. And you talk about streakiness earlier. Well, for a guy like Grady Dick, who's a freshman and is, again, just going through this ringer for the first time, streakiness is to be expected. You just need to be the ones who dictate how this game goes. And again, to get back to what I was talking about earlier on, you need Dwan Harris to play well in this game. I mean, there's really no denying that. And he does not have to score to play well. Now, you don't want him to go one of five from the floor, but if he's defending well on the ball and if he's facilitating, which he has been good at doing, along with not turning the ball over a career high four times like he did on Monday night, I think KU is going to be fine on the perimeter or is going to be fine in the backcourt. I think Jalen Wilson is going to be able to get his. Can Jalen Wilson 
going downhill, getting to the basket, hopefully a little bit of that from Kevin McCullough as well, will that open up more looks for Grady Dick? Is Kentucky going to face guard Grady Dick? And that is how John Calipari wants to take him out. If that's the case, well, take your lessons from the first few games of Big 12 play, the first four games that would have been of Big 12 play when KU was dealing with that more regularly. Oklahoma State did it. Oklahoma did it. Iowa State chose not to do it in the fifth game of Big 12 play, and Grady Dick went crazy in that game. I don't know why I keep referring to him by his whole name. It's just Grady. It's just Dick. Whatever. It doesn't matter. If you can, you know, if you have to adjust to him being face guarded on the offensive end, use the lessons you learned earlier in the year. Let Jalen Wilson cook. Get K.J. Adams working on that short roll in the paint again, which, again, he's been struggling, but we saw enough good from K.J. Adams over the previous month and a half that I'm pretty confident he is going to end up being just fine. He just needs to get out of a little bit of a shooting slump. Again, he went one of five from the floor. I know he's at a height disadvantage against most teams. He's probably not going to go one of five from the floor all that often. I don't know why KU has been so bad at the rim finishing recently. I don't know if it's an exhaustion thing. I don't know if it's effort thing. I have no idea. I'm not a Hall of Fame coach. Bill Self is. I trust that he and the assistants are going to get that figured out. So essentially, it comes down to this. All these points circumnavigating all the way back to this. Can KU execute what it wants to do offensively and make the open looks that it does get? There are always going to be tough shots against Big 12 teams or against teams that have as much talent as Kentucky, even if there are questions about how Kentucky's been coached this year. You've got to make the open shots and make enough difficult shots, usually based on running the right stuff on the offensive end. And defensively, look, you cannot allow Kentucky to dictate the pace. That is going to be the number one thing that stands out to me on that end of this game. Because the other thing that means, if Kentucky's trying to run on you, they're trying to wear down that starting lineup against a team that has a very weak and shallow bench right now, like KU, things are going to favor Kentucky. you got to dictate the pace. I would not be opposed to slowing it down. And I also, to be honest, to go back to an original point, would not be opposed to seeing more Uday and Edge of Four in this game, solely because, A, they offer more size, and B, They've also got five fouls, just like K.J. Adams does. And I would rather be safe with Adams earlier on so you have him longer later in the game and throw Uday out there like he's freshman Mitch Lightfoot and his whole job is, all right, Mitch, you've got five fouls, go use them. Like, if that's all you have to do to make Oscar Shibwe really work for all of his points, so be it. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, first of all, the thing that jumped out the most, I, I got a little bit distracted by the fact that you said, you know, how, how spoiled are we as KU fans? Uh, with a guy like Dewan Harris, if his career high in turnovers is four in a game and it just it's happened, it. like that is that is ridiculous how good he has been. But I think to your point, like a Dewan Harris good game looks like either him scoring fifteen points because he goes you know five of five from three or five of six from three, um, or him getting eleven assists because he's getting other people into good positions to make shots, to make open shots, to make you know great shots that will help to keep Kansas in there. He can contribute a good game in so many different ways that it's hard to say what a good game from Dewan Harris looks like. It's, you know, it's the whole, the, the whole, you know, Supreme Court, uh, you know, pornography thing. It's like, I know it when I see it. Like when I see a good game from Dewan, I can tell it's a good game, but it's hard to describe what a good game looks like for Dewan before it actually happens. So, um, you know, to your point about Kentucky, uh, Kentucky is, is a team. Yes, Shibwe is very physical, can, you know, do that. But I think what we've seen a lot more this year is that teams are getting a lot better about smaller, quicker teams taking advantage of them being smaller and using the leverage that they have from being lower to the ground, you know, and kind of sneaking into places and making it difficult. 
the, the refs have been much more willing to call fouls on big men when a, you know, a smaller guy seems to like squirt around to the side, even if it's probably not something like that was my biggest complaint about, about some of these games recently is that it seems like a lot of the ticky tack fouls have been small guys almost falling to the side, but catching an arm underneath an elbow or something of the defender and getting a foul call out of it. Um, they have, they're much more willing to punish big guys for being big guys, I think. Um, and so Kansas can use that to their advantage. That's something that they need to actually look at to figure out how they can use that. But you're right in that, you know, getting Uday or getting Ejiofor some extra minutes here to see how they match up, to give them an opportunity. Because the other thing, too, like as you're talking about developing guys, you know, Playing against a guy like Shibway gives them a look that they can't get in practice. Like normally, you know, we we talk about Kansas prepares themselves so well because they have so many different options and so many different things that, you know, playing against them in practice is usually as good, if not better, than playing, you know, limited minutes in games because you're getting to play against some really good players that all do, you know, a bunch of different things. Kansas doesn't have the big guys inside to allow guys like Uday or Ejiofor to be able to get that experience playing against big guys while they're in practice. So getting some experience here, I think, will be helpful for them, even if it's not this season. Get them used to that kind of stuff, get an early taste of it so they can you know, develop the rest of the year, figure out what it is they need to do, and be ready to, to go next year. Um, you know, this is uh, kind of to your point. We don't, you know, I, I don't want to say that I don't care about the result because, like you said, like you never want to actually lose a game. And Adam, I'm sure Bill will will you know talk about. You never actually want to lose a game, but I am much more worried about can they show me the things that will make them successful down the road, um, even if it means them not necessarily being successful against Kentucky. Because there's a very good chance they go into this game against Kentucky, and Kentucky's playing hot enough and is good enough that they're just not going to win because they just have guys that can't hit shots or something. I, I want to see the, the strategy. I want to see how they're going to use guys. I want to see some of this different situation, different situational type of stuff. And that feeds, I think, directly into the next game coming up, um, you know, against Kansas State. Um, it's really early to look at this, I think. But, uh, you know, Kansas State, as we are recording, is on the road playing Iowa State. I believe they are just now entering the second half. Um, yeah, and it's a, it's a tight game, kind of like we expected. So, you know. You hope maybe with Kansas State then playing a Missouri team that likes to run up and down the court and do all kinds of stuff um, that maybe they'll be a little tired out coming into uh, Lawrence on Tuesday. I really doubt that's actually going to happen, but you know I can I can dream about it. So go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say K State's got Florida in that matchup coming up on Saturday. Oh wait, I'm sorry, Iowa State's Missouri. That's right. Never mind. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, nonetheless, it's going to be. Emotional game for Keontae Johnson, obviously. And let me tell you, the broadcast team on ESPN for this game on Tuesday night between K-State and Iowa State, they will not let you forget that it will be an emotional game for Keontae Johnson. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, beside the point, look, that's those are the games that matter. And I don't want to say the Kentucky game doesn't matter. And you know Self is going to be playing into whatever is going to motivate his guys the most for this SEC game on Saturday. But that's the game you've got to focus on, I think, if you're KU. And again, not to say... Other games don't matter or, you know, to do the whole K-State matters more, just like K-State fans say the KU game matters more. That's not what I'm trying to indicate, but hey, that that's the top of the team or the top of the roster, the top of the, the ladder right now. That's the word I'm looking for. They're at the top of the standings. That is the team that you are chasing. You are not the hunted right now. You are the hunters right now. They got you at their place. So go prove 
to everybody, and I'm trying to put myself in Bill Self or Curtis Townsend's shoes or whoever, you know, you've got national people who are saying you're cooked. You've got everyone on Twitter who's saying, oh, my God, it's panic time. You go beat K-State, and they even if they beat Iowa State, they'll be two games up in the Big 12. You go beat them. So it's one game league and so many teams are going to lose games. There are going to be plenty of upsets in the back half of the big 12 schedule. The whole, the race is still absolutely on at this point. There is no denying that one bit. So focus on that game, focus on what you can do to be K state and honest to God, win or lose against Kentucky KU wins in one week against K state. I think a lot of these ills are going to feel fixed. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's really, I think where we're at in the big 12, it's going to be really easy to overreact to any game because as we saw with TCU, any team on any particular night can make you look foolish, can make you look really bad. So, um, yeah, you know, so, so, uh, well, you know, actually I think that's, that's probably going to go ahead and do it for us today. Unless you had any other thoughts you wanted to go ahead and uh, finish us off with. So the final thing, I think, circling back to what I mentioned right at the top of the show is that, look, if you told me through eight games, KU is five and three in the league and one or two games back at first place, I'd say, all right, that's fine. That That's not a big deal at all. You're totally within reach of getting to the top. You probably had a couple of tough games in the toughest league in all of college basketball. Not a big deal. KU will be fine. I think the way we have gotten to a KU team at five and three in big 12 play is more so the issue at this point that it was such a hot start and then three losses in a row. But like you pointed out a couple of times, TCU is really freaking good. Baylor is a really good team. K-State is a really good team. There's no shame in losing to those groups. And if it, if it had been win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, win, or something to get to this point. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're feeling great about where you are at this point. So I think it's important to take a step back. Realize that, yes, this team has some flaws, but there's still a lot of season left. You've got a Hall of Fame coach, a great staff, really good talent, especially in terms of your top one or two players. This team should be fine. And in the long run, even if this team doesn't win the league this year, even if they finish third, fourth in the league, guess what? No one's going to care if you go on a deep run to the Final Four again this year. That's what matters. And to the point about, you know, you, you can lose now if it means you're improving yourself for later. I'll trade a loss to Baylor and maybe to Kentucky and maybe you finish third in the league in exchange for a team that's more built for March. Absolutely would make that trade 100 times out of 100. Well, and and honestly, like you look at this, you know, TCU got embarrassed by a West Virginia team in Morgantown. Like the only the only game that Kansas has lost that you have to potentially worry about or you can say that put them behind the eight ball is the loss to TCU at home. Because it was at home. Like, that's really what it is. Going on the road in this conference is always going to be difficult for every single team. And, you know, so you should celebrate whatever road wins you have. Not worry so much about the road losses. And kind of just really enjoy this season. It's going to be an absolute dogfight between a whole bunch of really good teams. Um, but, you know, even those really good teams like TCU can have off nights like they did against West Virginia. Or like, you know, Kansas has had against a couple different teams. But... You know, I think, I think that's the thing that you take away from it is like, yes, Baylor, Baylor's down at five and three in the league. They're, they're now right now tied for fourth with, uh, Kansas and, uh, and, and TCU at this point. And, you know, they'll also be tied, uh, assuming that either Texas or Iowa State, then it'll end up being tied for third because you'll have a bunch of teams all bunched up there. But it's not like Kansas lost to a Texas Tech or lost to an Oklahoma. Yes, they came close against those teams to losing. But they were able to get those wins. It's not like you lost against the bottom of the conference, even though, as we talked about earlier, the bottom of the conference really is not that bad at all this year. Um, and so, 
you can take some solace in the fact that the teams that are beating you are really good teams that have really good coaches that are doing what it takes to uh, take advantage of some very legitimate struggles that you're having in the middle of the season, which is fairly typical for a Kansas team. Uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we had a three-game losing streak for the for the for the Jayhawks in the season. Just two seasons ago, they had a three-game losing streak. You know, and then they ended up. Uh, now, well, I guess we won't actually talk about how that season ended because it ended with a COVID, um, you know, a COVID diagnosis that kind of derailed a whole bunch of stuff in March. But, um, you know, this is, I think, a team that is shaping up still to have a really good shot at not only winning the league or being the best team in the league in the regular season, but that, man, I am so looking forward to the Big 12 tournament come, come tournament time in Kansas City. That is going to be a spectacle to have all of these teams in the same building, just back to back to back. That is going to be must-watch TV with all of these games and all of these teams that are there. So I am so looking forward to that. Kansas is going to be smack dab in the middle of it. Um, just enjoy this this basketball season, guys. This is a fun basketball season with the best league in the nation, potentially one of the best leagues ever um, in terms of you know a single season. It's just been phenomenal. Enjoy it. Uh, don't worry too much about the Jayhawks at this point because I think they'll be just fine. Um, let's let's uh, let us go ahead and get out of here on that thought, Brendan. Um, for those that want to get more from you, where's all the places that they can do that? So you can hear me every single day from three until six Jayhawk time on five eighty AM WIBW out of Topeka on five eighty Sports Talk. You can also watch us on YouTube now. You can watch us live streaming sports on five eighty WIBW is where you can find the video of the show. Plus, I'm on Twitter at Brendan DZW. Uh, trying my best in the new year. One of my commitments for the new year. Be less annoying on Twitter. So I'm hopefully reaching that commitment so far. Well, as long as you're not talking to K-State fans, I think you're doing a pretty good job because K-State fans think all KU fans are annoying, even when they're praising the Kansas State team for what they've done. I, I get that all the time. So, But no, and, and of course, you can also catch Brendan. He is going to be getting his weekly article back up and running here shortly over on Blue Wings Rising to make sure you catch that coverage there. Um, still trying to iron out exactly what it's going to be, but I can guarantee it's going to be good. Looking at what we had for the Wednesday walkthroughs, really enjoyed those during football season. Looking forward to what we're going to get for basketball season. And again, just I mean, guys, enjoy it. We're, we're going to be covering as much as we possibly can over on Blue Wings Rising. We're covering both the men and the women. I wanted to talk about the women as well this week, but we're going to do that in the later episode because they don't have a midweek game. Uh, so I'm not, you know, we have some, some time still to go ahead and talk about them, but, um, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us today. Brendan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 10 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, we are a week away from announcing another show that's coming on to cover another one of those teams. So definitely be paying attention. And we are still scouting for the rest of the teams that we don't have yet. So you can get links to all the great shows we have over at the uh, over at 10to12network.com or on Twitter at 10to12network. Uh, but that's going to do it for us today. Make sure you visit our sponsors, Homefield Apparel, PrizePicks.com. Great, uh, great 
companies there. Use promo code CHOCK12 to get great deals with them. But Brandon, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chuck Podcast. We'll be right back.